Are you unhappy with your CPAP provider? Did you know you can easily switch providers right now? I'm Megan Giggling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. We are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Contact us today. We ship anywhere in North Carolina. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health. From Capital Broadcasting Company and WRALFM, welcome to Wine and Dandy. I'm your host, Sarah King. I'm your host, Jamie Kasky. Wine is fun, and we intend to prove it. And today, we are going to delve into an area that has, honestly, I have wondered about for quite a while, because we all know wine is enjoyed worldwide, but you don't hear much about wine and Africa, aside from South African wine. So I did a lot of research, and I came across the name Thomas Pelekia, and he wrote this really interesting article for Forbes back in 2017 about uh, African wine mm-hmm. and the wine that are grown there and the wine that is you know enjoyed there. So I had to get him on the podcast. So we have Thomas Palekia with us right now. Hello, Welcome, Thomas. Hello, hello. So glad you could join us today. Why? Why did you write that article about African wine? Oh well, uh, you asked me earlier uh, before the recording that uh, what my title might be. Right. Um, I have been a wine writer for a number of years, and I've also owned. Uh, a winery, and I've been a winemaker. Dang. So I've been in the wine business. Well, yes. I've been in the business. Been in the wine business for 35 years, actually. And so, as part of my writing, uh, that was a story that, that I just uh, had written for Forbes. For I was contributing on, on Forbes' website for a while. I found it interesting, too, because, I mean, I, I have written a number of books. I've got about five books out. And one of them is the history of the wine trade. And during the research for that book, I had written, uh, read rather, a lot about North Africa, especially, and a little bit about South Africa, too. But North Africa has an ancient connection to wine. That research really was eye-opening for me. I mean, I knew about wine in North Africa, like in Algeria and Morocco and Tunisia and places like that. But I didn't ever really know until I started researching how it happened. It really has ancient roots. It goes back to a group known as the Phoenicians. Came from northern Syria, went down through Lebanon and, and uh, because they were itinerant uh, salespeople. Oh. And mm-hmm. wine yeah, and wine was part of their um, their their brochure <laughs> or their portfolio. In fact they were among the uh, the earliest wine uh, tradespeople on the earth. For various reasons, they were being kicked out of places. Uh, they they weren't fighters. They weren't warriors. They were salespeople. They right. were um, merchants, and so they were being kicked out of places all around the Levant and all that, all around the Mediterranean. And they wound up in Tunisia, which was then called Carthage. And they they were the the Phoenicians were the uh, Carthaginians that Rome finally. Um, Act. As Carthaginians in, in uh, the area, which is now Tunisia, they developed the wine industry. They made it all the way to Spain, ultimately, after Rome um, sacked them. Or maybe actually even before Rome sacked them, I think they would already, already had gotten up into, uh, along the Mediterranean, up into uh, to Spain. Their, their wine influence was all through Mediterranean. So they had established these trade routes then. Exactly. I tried to find out exactly uh, how they did it. And um, they had to do it by water. You couldn't just 
Yeah, that's a lot to drag around. (laughs) Yeah, it's easier to carry wine on water than to uh, push it on a cart. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And they did it. They did it. uh, Plus, you had uh, concrete tanks. Oh, yeah. So all of it's just heavy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thomas, my first thought when you started talking about this is uh, Phoenicians, etc., Carthage, a lot of this is ties in nicely with biblical history. Um, is that something, yes. that, and again, with being Northern Africa, is that something that you uncovered or, or, or learned some things about as well? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of it was. The study of wine is the study of civilization. It, it was there when civilization began, and it, you know, it was part of everything. <laughs> yeah. It was, there were wars that were, that were fought over wine. There was religion that used wine, it, it was just part of life uh, and has been. Yeah. It's, only, it's only in Western culture, or actually where wine had not really that much influence over the mm-hmm. culture. Right. Uh, you know, even in Africa, it had great influence, in, in, especially in Northern Africa. Uh, as the centuries went on, of course, you had various religions uh, Muslims that got into north, the northern African countries and and even into Europe, where whereas the, the Quran does not for it doesn't specifically forbid the use of wine. Some of the greatest wine countries in the world were Muslim countries. Also, it doesn't forbid it; it it discourages it, and it's a matter of interpretation. Right, as of, as most things are of that elk. And we'll hear more from journalist Thomas Pilecchia on the modern grapes grown in Africa after the break. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Wine and Dandy Podcast. Speaking of yeah. South Africa, or excuse me, speaking of African wine, so I find it very interesting that it goes back so far. But what does today's wine industry look like in North Africa? What kind of grapes are they growing? It's well. <laughs> The interesting thing is um, it grew to the point Algeria became the, the major wine center of northern Africa at one point, and that was because of the French. In the 1860s, when the French wine industry collapsed because of phylloxera, uh, Algeria became, and Algeria was already a colony for about I guess about 30 years by then. Well, let me pause um, real quick Al- and say phylloxera is the bacteria Excuse me, the fungus. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Just because we have a lot of people who are novices to um, what yeah. you know, the wine world. That's it. Almost destroyed the wine industry. It took down the grapes um, all across Europe. Oh, yes, it's a root. It's a root louse. It, ah. it would eat the roots. It would eat the roots, and then the the grapevines would uh, would die. And it's it was first uh, uncovered in Europe um, and in in France specifically. But actually, it's it's the genesis of of that uh, phylloxera root louse is America. <laughs> oh, I, I thought we saved them from it. We did. That was how we saved them. When they found out that the root louse came from America, they discovered that the way to save the, the European wine industry was to create root uh, grafts uh. and create American root stock. And it, to this day, every grapevine that's grown in Europe, except for a few um, come from eons ago that are still around, but just about every, or you'd say 99.9% of the grapevines, 
grown in Europe are on American rootstocks. Interesting. I didn't know that. Because that's how they, they avoid root louse. So back to North African wine. So anyway, uh, we, were, we were talking about what do they grow. Um, Algeria became a, a colony, and then France had this problem. And so a lot of the winemakers from France went to their colony, and they created, they started making wine. They started uh, planting vineyards and making wine. So a lot of the uh, vineyards that are in northern Africa are, were planted by French. So oh. does that mean you've got yeah. grapes like Sauvignon Blanc and... Um... Yeah, you got, you've got a lot of stuff. I mean, the, the list is, is extensive, and there's a lot of uh, grape you never heard of. That, that doesn't there, surprise me. Which is, they grow the vinifera. It's called vinifera, the species, the European species. They grow that. But they also grow a lot of other stuff. They, they grow um, hybrid. Uh, the thing is that in Africa, aside from South Africa, in Africa today, alcohol is, is not a big deal. Uh, agriculture is, but alcohol is not a big deal because, in, you know, in a lot of parts of Africa, it's not in the culture. And in Northern Africa, there's a lot of Muslim uh, communities now. So they don't drink a lot of wine. It's a small percentage of, of wine. But at one point, Algeria was the largest wine exporting country in the world. Oh, so are they and still was, growing it up there? Or, I mean, I know. Oh, I, yeah, they're still, they're still growing it, but it's very, very small uh, quantity. Con- and they don't consume as much. As so are they, where are they shipping this to? Uh, that's a good question. Okay. <laughs> so they're, quote, unquote, not consuming. <laughs> right. Wink, wink. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, let me tell you, in, in a, a long time ago, as a young, a young man, I lived in the, uh, Tehran, Iran. Oh, wow. And I remember, before I left, I remember saying to, peop- to friends and my wife, and I was saying, you know, I'm going to have to give up wine. Well, when I got there, this was... Uh, before the revolution, right before the revolution, I was a really young guy. And when I got there, it was still kind of westernized. Mm-hmm. And they produced wonderful Riesling in, oh. in Iran. And huh. wonderful, they had wonderful wines. So I never had to give it up. Oh, well, good I for you. <laughs> yeah. But, but in Africa, it's kind of like that where, you know, you wonder where it goes. But a lot of it does go like, say, Algeria, they still send wine to France. Oh, okay. They still do that. Well, you know, blending and things like that. You know, I looked up a lot. I mean, I did some research for this episode. Way to go. You're welcome, Jamie. Um, And in my research, I saw that Africa drinks mostly beer. Yes. I I saw that, too. Yeah. 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 So I was just curious if you had any insights as to if that's been changing or if, you know, because wine is definitely becoming more popular. I I would wager to to guess, I know with the millennials worldwide, I think that wine has picked up a lot of popularity. So I'm wondering if Africa is sharing that same trend. Well, they're probably growing. I don't know to what extent it would be growing. It's still a very small percentage. Right. Uh, the last thing, the last statistic I remember was in 2018, I think, where Africa is like 16 or 15 percent of the world's population. And uh, beverage alcohol was only like 5 percent of, oh, wow. of the world's consumption. So it's not a lot. You know, they really don't drink a lot of alcohol. And that's, when I say beverage alcohol, I mean beer, wine, everything. Interesting. Um, and South, South Africa is interesting because they got into the wine business in the 1600s. Right, with the Dutch. And it was, yes. And it was kind of local, really, for, through, for Europe, for whatever the Dutch colonies needed, they could supply it wherever they had uh, colonies, the Dutch, they could supply it with South African wine. 
And that was about the extent of it. With one exception, there was a major sweet wine called Constantia. Constantia. Which was pretty well. Mm. Constantia. Yeah, <laughs> so it was pretty well uh, well regarded in Europe. That wine got a, got a following. And they, it kind of stayed that way until sometime in the early 20th century. Between 1980 and 2010, uh, that's what this chart showed, global consumption of South African wine went from minuscule in 1980 to 45 million cases in Whoa. 2010. From what? Okay. Yeah. It, you know, and it's funny. I, I have a lot of friends that work in wine and have worked in wine for quite a while. And we actually got to discussing this. And what I've learned is one of the reasons that it went from in the 1980s mm-hmm. to not really anybody drinking that much wine from South Africa to now where it's, it's pretty much everywhere is the invention of the Internet. Because before... Uh. The wine wasn't good. <laughs> like no. they made it up themselves. Yeah. And yeah. then once they got the internet, they learned how to make better wine and it became more popular because it was more palatable. Oh, well, that'll do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Well, but, I can tell you, there, uh, South African wines have gotten better and better over the years, but that's the case almost everywhere. That's true. That's uh, very wine, true. Wine is getting better and better. Uh, the other reason for their lack of uh, global consumption in the 80s was apartheid. Oh, that's true, sure. too. Absolutely. Yeah, there were a lot of um, countries that just refused to accept their products. So As they should, you know. It, it was yeah. deplorable what they were doing over there. Okay. You had mentioned, I believe it was in your article, but it's definitely in some of my research, that Kenya has some wines as well. And I believe that Kenya is Kenya's not North African. It's kind of like middle of the continent. Kind of kind of central, yeah. Yeah. Well, you places places like that, like Ghana, they have a European connection through the British, you know. So they all of those places got started in wine through colonizing, mm. through their through through being colonized. The thing you got to know about wine is that if you're in a place that's extremely hot and does not have frost, you really can't grow grapes. Well, that's why I found it surprising because ah, yes. I know how hot some places in Africa are. And the fact yeah. that Kenya had wine at all, I was like, how is that even possible? Well, a lot of Kenyan wine uh, up until recently was not produced from grapes. In fact, I hate I hate to use the word wine if it's not produced from grapes because technically <laughs> I'm a purist in that sense. The word right. wine <laughs> the word wine goes back to ancient history. Right. It comes from pre-Greek, you know, it's pr- the word says Specifically, it's fermented grape juice. So what are they using so if they're when, not using grapes? Oh, they have all kinds of fruits that they use and palm and, you know, kinds of things like that. But, uh, but they have, Kenya has, does now grow um, Sauvignon Blanc and Chenin Blanc and Cabernet Sauvignon. They do grow it. My suspicion, I don't know for sure, but my suspicion is that any grapes they grow for wine have to grow on hillsides. That would make sense to get some shade. Well, they have to. They have to. They have to get key is that quality grapes grow if they have a period of dormancy. They have to have that. Oh, I that's see. That's how they regenerate. That's how the vine regenerates. So, in order to get that dormancy, you have to have frost. If you're going to do it in a warm climate and you have hillsides and you elevate the grapevines, that's why grapevines often grow along hillsides. It gives them higher quality, actually. Yeah, and it protects them from the winds. Well, and my last question for you uh, is, you know, why are we not seeing any of these wines in the United States? Well, that's uh, the answer to that is simple. Uh, there's very little of it. And if you were um, uh, an importer, how would you spend your time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you like know? going and getting this, these tiny vineyards that yeah. produce like five cases a year. I guess. That yeah, makes- yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not going to make 
a big plus it's in Africa. You know, you got to get it over America, let's say. That's not going to work. I have to say, I don't, other than South Africa, which is a big industry now, because if you're an importer, you're going to deal in lots of wine, 45 million cases. Other than that, I don't think I've ever seen, and, and I grew up in New York City and I had a store in New York City. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen um, North African wine in the U.S. I, I don't. I can't recall seeing one. So then, Thomas, um, do you, have you had one that you like it in at some other point, or is there one that you're like, hey, everybody, if you're going to try one and you can get a hold of it, this is the one to try. The only African wines I've ever tasted were from Morocco, and that was from a friend mm-hmm. who spent time in Morocco, and it was. Um, I remember it was very much like Rhone wine because mm. they used some of the same grape, Carignan and some of those grapes. Um, I remember that, and, and it's really very good with Moroccan food, oh. um, you know, spicy, the spicy oh, yeah. food. That, but I don't have a lot of, uh, of experience tasting it, so I really couldn't say. I've, I've had a lot of South African wine. Yeah, I mean, North I have African too. Wine. I think it's an interesting, a very interesting area, but... Yeah, that makes sense. But I'm so glad that you came on today and spoke with us about this because it's been something that's been on my mind. Honestly, we've been on this, we've been doing this podcast now for almost three years and I've been wanting to talk about African wine because every continent has wine and I just wasn't aware of any on the African continent aside, like I said, aside from South Africa. So this has been very enlightening. I really appreciate the time. Well, thank you. Thank you for looking into it. Of course. Thanks, Thomas. Anything. Anything about wine is good for me. I'm with you, man. Us too. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers to you, ma'am. Take care. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye. Follow us on Facebook at Wine and Danny Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Wine and Danny Podcast. We're on both platforms, and we would love to answer any questions that you have or anything you just want to talk about. You know? We're open to your suggestions as to what you would like to learn about wine or wines you'd like us to try. Indeed. So we just spoke to Thomas. Uh, I don't want to try to butcher his name. Thomas Pelekia. Pelekia. Uh, we just spoke to Thomas Palekia, and he's talking about African wines. And I didn't want us to try South African wines, because mm-hmm. we've done a podcast on that prior. So I spoke with Courtney from Wine Authorities in Durham. Nope, in Raleigh and in Durham. They're the same company. Right. And I said, I asked her if she had any African wines, which, given what Thomas just told us, there aren't any. <laughs> They're hard to come by. They're, they, they make them, but they drink them. <laughs> you know, and I never considered the, the Muslim aspect mm-hmm. of it. But that makes right. perfect sense that they don't drink a whole lot right. over there. So. Although they make a fair amount and they are exporting them, pro, it sound like predominantly to France. Yeah, because they're the ones who planted them. But right. Regardless. So I said, well, how about giving us a wine from a region we're not very familiar with? Oh, cool. So what, and I did, that's all I gave her. Mm-hmm. And then she gave me a brown paper bag with a wine bottle in it. Well, that didn't look sketchy at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even pay for it. Uh, so this was <laughs> even called... more sketchy. Okay. <laughs> but that's what Wine Authorities does. They donate to our podcast and we love them for we it. We do. So this one's called Suita. S-U-I-T-A. Very simple label. Huh. Um, I think it's, let's see what her sheet says. I think it's Malvasia. I've always said Malvasia. Mm-hmm. It's also um, Malvasia. Malva- it, it, there's a lot of Potato, ways. Potato, potato. Yeah. Malva Asia. There's lots of ways you can say it. I'm sure all of those are wrong, mm-hmm. but that's a, it's a grape. And they pronounce, they, they spell it with a Z. Oh. Um, Malvazija is how they say. This is a Croatian wine. I have actually been to Croatia and to a Croatian vineyard. Excellent. Yes. Well, I'm excited to taste this. I'm going to clean my... Oh, 
She's going to splash it on her laptop. I didn't. IT would be so mad at me because I've already ruined one. One of oh god, now I got on you. That's cool, whatever. <laughs> oh my god. I'm also going to clean mine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. She's, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not on the board of the equipment, so our right. bosses are okay. It's, it's just on us. It's on Jamie's shirt. You know, for when we drive. <laughs> almost on my laptop. All right. So this is 100% Malvasia, um, or Malvasia. I honestly don't know how to say this grape, but I've, all my years in this industry, I've never been able to say it. Have you had it? Yes, oh, I've had it. It's a white it? wine. Yes, I love this wine. Mm-hmm. It's very crisp. It's very light. Mm-hmm. It's a crowd-pleasing wine. Um, but I've never had one from Croatia before. I will tell you that when I sniffed this wine, it took me right back to that Croatian No vineyard. way, sure really? Does. It's got such a lovely nose. Right there on the coast, sandy soil, beautiful um, you know, sort of very low rolling hills. It was oh, lovely. There's a lovely grassiness to mm-hmm. this. Doesn't it smell like you're having a picnic outside yes, in Croatia? It, uh, I, I, the Croatia part I can't say, but the mm. picnic outside part I, I can. Yeah. A little bit floral, a little bit grassy. It's got like, mm, let's try it. Mm-hmm. Apples. Oh. I knew you'd like it because it's slightly effervescent. Oh, it's got a little bit of bubble. Yep. It's got a little bit of apple, and it's got a little bit of like almost warming spices. Mm. Like when you, it doesn't finish mm-hmm. with them, but you get cinnamon on the beginning. Yeah. Oh, interesting! This is delicious. Isn't this fabulous. How much is this? This bottle, she did not tell me, <laughs> so I don't know. I can it's look probably up, not free like it was for us. I'm sure but... you'll have to pay for it. Let me look yeah. it up on the old uh, iPhone here. Okay, and let's find. Oh, it. this is delicious. It's really delightful. It's very very light. I mean, on a hot day, honestly, on a cold day, any day yeah. I will drink this wine. This is very good. This is very good. And, and I would think of it as a crowd pleaser. I agree with you fully. Because it's not, it's not super zippy. Mm-hmm. So some people who like Chardonnay wouldn't be a- opposed to right. it. Right. It's not quite as heavy as Chardonnay, but it's certainly approachable for a Chardonnay drinker. Let's see if I can get a price on this anyway. As a Pinot Grigio drinker, it's a little bit um, lighter, a little bit less bitey than a Pinot Grigio, or a little bit less crisp, but I really like this. I think it's delicious. And of course, guys, we're going to post the picture for you so you can uh, take it in, hold your phone up, and say, this this is what I want. Oh, very affordable. About 11 bucks. Oh, ding, dang, dong. This ding, is dang, a winner. dong. Yes. yes. Yum, 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 yum. I can't... Pronounce anything else on this label, like legitimately. Here's the <laughs> spelling of one word: H R V A T S K A. How you say that? I don't know. I don't know. I would have to see it. Okay. Um, those are Croatian words, and uh, I can pronounce nothing there. Yeah, but I can drink their wine. Oh my goodness, this is terrific! And guys, we can't travel right now, so get the wine in and feel like you're traveling. I have 100 percent been doing that. And on that note, I mm-hmm. did 23 and Me, which we actually discussed with Thomas uh, Palekia, mm-hmm. uh, and I found out that I have 70 some percentage of my heritage is Irish. Unexpectedly, I knew I had some. I didn't yeah. realize I was mostly Irish. Yes. Like myself, Scotch-Irish. Yeah. yeah, I'm not Scotch. But regardless, yeah. I decided to um, tour the country via my stomach because I can't go there. Very nice. So I Do made... they have wines, Irish wines? You never hear. You only hear stout and I'm, beer. I'm going to have to look. I don't know. I mean, now. They say These there's wine people. on every continent, so yeah. we'll have to find out. But I made a soup, Colcannon. What's in it? Oh, it is ridiculously good, and I don't understand why because it's so simple. It's bacon. Uh-huh. Hold on, guys. I think I understand why this is (laughs) But it's onions, leeks, potatoes, Mm -hmm. red potatoes, and cabbage. Ireland, of course, yeah. That's it. And then you put chicken stock on top Mm -hmm. of it, 
boil it till it's tender, and then take it off the heat. And you're supposed to add heavy cream, but as a person who can't have heavy cream, I right. put coconut milk in it. Oh. Unbelievably delicious. It sounds like a comfort food. It was 100%. It's yeah. so, I was shocked at how good it was. Yummy. All right. So, so, so that fun. has nothing to do with this, but it is but a good did, recipe. Well, no, but it, it's, it's got to do with the fact that, you know, we can't go places. We can't get on planes. Yeah. No one will accept us right now. But we can go through wine and through food. Like, you right. know, use your imaginations. Watch an Irish movie. Watch, yeah. a, watch a Croatian movie with subtitles. Educate yourself. We watched this, the Sea Shanty movie. Sea Shanties are back. They big, are. In a big way. So uh, I love that song. It's so good on TikTok. You mean the one that our sports people did for sports radio? Well, they're copying one that was viral on TikTok. Yes, there are many, many. Sea Shanties are it's surprising, really, for for those of you who maybe don't watch a lot of SpongeBob, why sea shanties are back. But they are in a big way. So you could watch this sea shanty movie, which I cannot remember the name of currently, but it's easy <laughs> Can't to wait find. Can't wait to check it out. Ranking right up there on Netflix. <laughs> and um, and then you could, you know, have some Irish wine, maybe make this soup that you had. Or yeah. you could, uh, Croatia has some lovely recipes. Uh, Croatia is yeah. known for its food. You could do that and enjoy this wine. And we are going to drink some Irish. We're going to find Irish wine. We're going to We're going to try to, at least. Yeah. Yeah. If not, we'll do an Irish cocktail because I really want to start putting cocktails in this. In this, and I, if you think that's a terrible idea, let us know us on our face on our Facebook page or our Instagram. Uh, send us a message there, or if you think it's a great idea, which I think you probably will, because I have some righteous cocktail yeah. cocktails to share. You are a cocktail queen. Yes. I know, and I don't even drink liquor that much. I just happen to have this knowledge I don't need, so let me share it. Let me yeah. use it. Let's do it. Okay, right. great. Cheers. Well, it's been fun, and uh, here's two areas of the world. Where we can't go, but we can still explore. Amen. Are you unhappy with your CPAP provider? Did you know you can easily switch providers right now? I'm Megan Giggling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. We are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Contact us today. We ship anywhere in North Carolina. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, Visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health.